Hello and welcome to the Beats and Bleeps podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. Today I'm joined by Rich Freeland, aka Disasterpiece. Uh, how are you today, Rich? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, so generally where I sort of start the the podcast off and the, the, the interview as such is um, sort of your origin story. So how did you get into music in general and then specifically writing soundtracks for video games? Sure. So I grew up in a um, musical family. Um, my stepfather was music director at our church. My mom played the piano and sang. Um, my sister was singing since she was basically born. Um, so I was I was around a lot of musical activity. Um, I was definitely had some musical abilities and interest, but I didn't really I didn't really explore that super deeply until probably high school when I picked up guitar, started yeah. playing guitar and taking lessons and um you know, I, I'd always been I'd always loved making things and so I you know, it it was the same situation with music. Once I picked up music, I st- I wanted to make music and make make little songs and things like that and um so I started like um, doing a lot of guitar kind of based stuff and then kind of discovered that people were doing video game remixes online and I'd always love video games um, and I also discovered people using old video game hardware or t- you know either to make music or they were mimicking those sounds um, and that was really kind of cool to like to do mimicking those sounds to make their um, make original music and so all that was happening that was probably I was probably like 17 18 kind of, you know, discovering all that. Um, and um, I, my first gig actually happened very randomly. I, I, as a teenager, I was really into this, this thing called e-wrestling, which is basically like competitive fan fiction uh, wrestling where you make your own like professional wrestling character and you write, you write these like kind of basically like, like screenplays about your wrestler and then they have these they have matches <laughs> it was like a whole community of people who were doing this um and uh suffice to say i even after i had retired from this particular hobby i was still kind of hanging around a little bit in the message boards and um someone had posted a uh, a job to do um you know I, I was posting music on there a lot just because that's what i was interested in at the time and someone posted a, a job to do music and sound for a cell phone game. And this was before smartphones. So it was all, it, it had all had to be delivered as MIDI files. Yeah. Uh, which uh, of course were the uh, lovely, uh, lovely sounding um, <laughs> tiny files that we lived on your windows, you know, windows uh, three and windows 95 machines back in the day. Um, so uh, yeah, so a, a, a friend, um, kind of saw this and kind of put me and them together. He's like, "Oh, I think this you'd be a good fit for this because I I had been posting MIDI files, oddly enough, um, because I was um, using Guitar Tab like software to input my music onto the computer." Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was kind of my first go at it uh, doing soundtrack work. And I was like, "Oh, you can get paid to write music? This is amazing." Um, and uh, ended up going to music school and yada yada yada, and uh, here I am now, like you know, <laughs> some thirty no fifteen years later or so. That's cool. I mean, I can't remember playing 
any games other than Snake and <laughs> that on like an old phone before smartphones, let alone them having any like music and stuff. So that's pretty cool. I mean, in terms of that's like when you're if you're writing a soundtrack where there's like that restriction, like you know, just using MIDI files and stuff, would that be something that you would almost write it using? like normal instruments and stuff and then kind of convert it into MIDI or would you just do it in MIDI from the offset? Yeah, I mean, my familiarity with MIDI at that point was still fairly limited. I, I was just, um, I had this software, this guitar tab software that you could use to record your, like to write out your ideas in guitar tab, yeah. like numbers basically on a grid. Um, and that was the way that I kind of, you know, stored my my musical ideas at that time. And it had it had MIDI playback, so not only could you do that, you could also like you could write out you know a piano p- part or a percussion like in Guitar Tab um, or something like Guitar Tab because it's kind of weird to write you know drums in Guitar Tab, but you you could do that in this program. So uh, yeah, so I just kind of was writing music in this this program, and not only music but also sound effects using general MIDI sounds. So you oh, know cool. like had to make like a chainsaw sound because it this it was it was this zombie game um i had to make a chainsaw sound and i think i made it out of like an electric guitar and like one of the like patches because you know there was there was no chainsaw patch in the general midi (laughs) um spec so because there's only 128 different instruments i think in that um you know so it was a lot of uh strange kind of creativity that it was it was fun yeah, so that's good. I didn't realise that you did like the sound effects and stuff using the MIDI as well. So that's guessing you had to be quite sort of think outside the box with with that <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it, like the games you've worked on was Fez the sort of first big game in inverted commas. Yeah, um, big in the sense that it was the first game that had a widespread kind of audience and release. Yeah. Um, you know, I had worked on other projects before that. Um, uh, I'd worked on some, you know, games that are, you know, with like I had worked on some games for Telltale Games, who okay, are like cool. a, a, a well-known developer. Yeah. Um, but it was always like in support roles, you know, doing like a bit of music here and there. Um, you know, I worked on some casual games. I worked on a Drawn to Life game. Yeah. Uh, uh, stuff like that, and then and then like some really small indie stuff. And Fez, but Fez was like the first. You know that was the first like very kind of big game that I, that I that I worked on, um, yeah, and that that sort of changed everything for me at that point. So how did like how did that come about? As such, was that just you put in a put in your like they had an advert for it and you sent some work over, or is it because they your work heard your work on other games before and wanted you? I think they actually knew my music because of. Um, not because of games, but because of my like just uh, kind of I don't know what you'd want to call it, like my recording artist yeah. kind of career at that point, um, which you know I was making my own albums of um, you know basically like kind of like progressive rock inspired chip tunes and kind of minimalistic. I don't know. I sort of had my own style going, and um, they were familiar with that and so you know i think specifically i had this album called level that um they uh 
you know, seem to like. Um, and so, yeah, I was on the radar as a, as a potential candidate to work on the game, and I was part of this collective called Boston 8-Bit, which is still around. Um, and we would play shows primarily in Boston, but we also did some shows in other cities, and we went to Montreal one time and um, played a show there, and that's where I met the the programmer for, for Fez. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the rest of this history, I suppose. I'd say when you kind of described your your solo work as like minimal minimal kind of chip tune it's you can kind of when when I was playing Fez that comes across obviously it's got that sort of like 8-bit but it's still yeah. fairly like atmospheric whereas like a lot of a lot of chip tune is very high energy and you know it's kind of like it's good but it's definitely not something you want for a kind of slow paced puzzle kind of game and stuff <laughs> I think, yeah. I think you'd go a bit mental like if it had a full-on like <laughs> pumping pumping like techno soundtrack so was was there um was the first like sort of brief was that just sort of you know you've done this more of that pretty much that you you did on your like solo stuff or is there like a sort of ideas that they had in mind for like any sort of things i'd like it to sound like yeah i mean what i remember is phil that the the director of the game mentioning Enon Zur and the music from like Fallout. Yeah. Um, so I knew that like, you know, th- there had been music in Fez beforehand. There was a previous composer and it was more up-tempo. Yeah. And I, I, it didn't really, it was good music, but I, I didn't think that it was quite quite the right sort of um, sound for it. And I even, the first thing that I wrote was kind of up-tempo and I wrote, uh, the first thing I wrote was Adventure. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like the, 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 the piece from the game that everybody knows but it's it's not even in the game it's just in the credits um <laughs> it was just sort of my first like what is the sound of this game like what's the spirit of this game yeah and that was kind of my my crack at it but actually playing the game it became pretty clear that like the, the music in the game needed to be more it needed to be more ambient and more minimalistic and it couldn't be this sort of like you know energetic up-tempo kind of stuff so much um and if it was it, it would have to be temporary like it have to be you know uh because you're getting to a particular like aspect of something like um you know there's the there's what we we called the cmy cave which is this sort of like this this cave that has these like light up um platforms yeah um and the music sort of builds as you kind of ascend and you know that's an example of like using doing some more up-tempo stuff in the game but for the most part there's a lot it's a lot of ambient um it's a lot of playing with like you know, placement of sound of music, um, when to have just pure ambience, like like wind, um, and when when to like slowly introduce a little bit of music here and there, um, just just all to kind of support the gameplay and to to make the game feel like like it breathes. Like, and as a, as a player, you have a chance to kind of like just inhabit the world and not be not feel like you're being inundated by it. Yeah. So, I mean, with with the soundtrack as well, like it's as you mentioned in like the CMYK cave, you called it, with like yeah. the way the the sound reacts to the game. It's like not just the straight like you write a song for this level or this area, and then it goes A to B, and that's it. It's like there's kind of quite a lot of ways the sound and music reacts with the player input. It's like there was there any sort of challenges with that thinking, or is it kind of a very there's a very um, thought-out vision for how how that would be. Was it 
So it was a it was a bit of give and take. Um, like the CMY cave was actually already a design. Um, it, it was an early design before I even got on the project where they had already built tech basically to support this idea of um, having synchronized um, musical elements yeah. uh, to the platforms. And so, you know, going in, I knew that I had to do something for that already. Um, but then there were also, you know, areas of the game that, that didn't have anything like that. And, and I came up with ideas that I pitched um, and then, uh, you know, worked with a programmer to kind of build, um, to design a system, um, different kinds of music systems for different scenarios. Like there's there's a graveyard level in Fez where um, it's, it's, it's basically raining and there's thunder and lightning and the, there's a music system for that level specifically, which basically allows the music to be triggered semi-randomly so that you have these big um, kind of like... Uh, these big um like thunderous chords or something yeah. and then they sort of transition into like this sort of like pitter patter rain style music and that can kind of go on for a while um uh and it's, it's sort of unpredictable like how long it's going to take exactly and you know which chords it's going to choose and so all of that was done procedurally with a system um and there's like there's there's a handful of other systems in the game that do similar things so it's just um, when I was kind of doing my research and reading and stuff before, didn't actually realise like Fez Fez is ten years old now. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it still like seems to you know get people new, new people playing it and kind of refer to it. And obviously, you've got like you had the um, the remixes and albums and stuff off of it. Is it still like? Is it is it something you still kind of would do anything like more remix albums with, or is that kind of like done now and there's other other things that are yeah, much more pressing? Yeah, there's definitely other things that are more pressing, but it, it's definitely been discussed, um, especially with the ten year anniversary coming through. Um, but I mean, at this point, there are just an insane amount of remixes, um, like hundreds, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there might be two or three hundred remixes floating around, so it's like, um, and and we self, you know, we self released quite a few. Um, we did a double album of remixes yeah. back in like twenty thirteen. Um, there was this really great remix album um, called Tesseract that was all like acoustic stuff. Oh, cool. There's there's been quite a quite a lot of um, quite a lot of remixing. So um, following on from Fez, was it? Uh, it looks like you there's quite a few games that you did following on that was there any sort of standout ones i know obviously hyperlight drifters kind of uh, another one of the more well-known ones you've worked on um that was 2016 yeah. is like any of the other sort of games between fez and that that you enjoyed working on or particularly oh for sure sounds? yeah for sure i mean there was um uh Monsters Ate My Birthday Cake was a really fun project. I got to write a lot of like very heavily Nintendo inspired yeah. kind of ditties. I would call them. <laughs> I'd be I'd be upset with a game with a name uh, a game with a name that's that good if it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty good game too. Yeah, it's a, sh it's a shame that you can't really. I think you can still play it on Steam, but um, um. Uh, and then um, Mini Metro was was a very 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 important game in my career for me um, for a lot of different reasons. 
Um, you know, it was my, really my first opportunity to do a, re- a, a lot of procedural music stuff in, yeah. in a commercial game. Um, so that was really fun and exciting to do that. Um, I got to go to New Zealand to work on that project for oh, a while. Cool. It was also really fun. Um, the game has been wildly successful. Um, and they continue to support it, which is amazing. Yeah. We, we worked on many motorways a few years after that, um, which was which was also a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, Mini Metro won um, best audio at the Independent Games Festival, which was like a, you know, I'm not like a huge awards person, but that particular award meant quite a lot to me, um, and it really helped me feel like I had. I don't know, like I, I had kind of done, I had done the things that I had set out to do. And I think it freed me a little bit yeah. just personally to like, kind of maybe have a little bit more fun. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it continues to be like a, uh, you know, very um, important for me, like financially. Um, so, uh, and there, there are other games too that, that I quite liked working on, but, but those are definitely some two standouts. Yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah, when I was looking, like, Mini Metro is the one that's... When I looked on Steam, it was kind of still having reviews up until today, like, oh, yeah, this game's great. And it's like, this, you know, it's... and I know you kind of get um, games that get, like, a cult following and stuff, but it's, it's, a, it's rare that a developer still kind of supports the game six years down the line and is yeah. still doing new things and stuff like that. So that's cool. So, as I mentioned before, Hyperlight Drifter um, is kind of another one that's got a bit of a cult following. Um, so, what was uh, what was the sort of pitch for that? Because obviously, it's uh, an eight-bit game, adventure game, kind of thing. I yeah. mean, I sort of, like I really struggled playing it, so I didn't get that far <laughs> into the game. It's, uh, uh, like I, I play, it's I funny. Don't, yeah, it's. It's easy until you get to a boss. Yeah, the boss is brutal. I think yeah, I think I got to the like one of the first bosses, and I was just like, oh no, fuck this, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what, obviously that's kind of like a, I don't even know the way to describe it. Anyway, it's, it's sort of like a top-down, yeah, Zelda Metroidvania kind yeah. of game. Um, like, and that's where we drew. I mean, we definitely took in, influence from that um in a lot of ways and including you know including music yeah and obviously that's had having gonna have the uh the four disc final release coming up so oh yeah that's i guess that's i guess that is happening soon (laughs) i'm not i'm like i'm kind of out of the loop so i forget these things (laughs) (laughs) i think i think with like uh, i said a few times to people with like uh, (laughs) like vinyl presses it's like oh yeah everyone pre-orders it and then if it happens for like a year and a half or something because of how how backed yeah. up the press pods are but yeah i mean oh, that's yeah. kind of like it was always bad and now it's just like it's ridiculous yeah it's ridiculous sorry they need to they're all being used to press like another another run of fleetwood mac albums or something like that that there's already <laughs> millions of out there yeah one one famous artist decides to do it and then bottlenecks the whole yeah pipeline for months yeah, so like that was kind of um, like the Metroidvania um, sort of game style. Was it? Were you doing the? Um, did you do the sound effects on that as well? Um, no, I, I did the music and the ambiences. Yeah, um, I actually did some sound design. I did 
I did some sound like anything that had to loop basically in the game, like sound design wise. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of those sounds. I I didn't do any of the foley or combat or anything like that. Yeah. Ah, okay. Cool. That was my friend Akash who did all that. But um, uh, yeah, doing the music and the ambience together um was something that I that I initially did on Fez and kind of like felt really comfortable doing that and felt like it would be it would be fruitful to focus on both of those together because you know environmental sounds and music like are very much occupying the same sonic territory so yeah uh, it allowed me to like kind of design you know how I wanted the you know what which areas of the game you know needed to be more just like wind or you know music and combining those things like different, you know all, all that kind of stuff yeah I was gonna say I noticed that unlike Fez and I play Drifter there's kind of those bits where some of the some of the sections it is just the ambient noise and then other parts and it's just it makes sense to for one person to have done both of those for the way they link together because obviously they you know where some of the some of the areas the ambience is in lieu of a soundtrack for or like music it is just the ambience is the background noise so yeah it's funny because um we we akash and i did a talk at gdc about the game mm-hmm. and we we had like a whole set <laughs> it was like so how did we collaborate on this project and then there's a slide and it was just like we didn't <laughs> <laughs> we just worked completely separately from each other and it it, it worked out okay <laughs> so it's kind of funny so if uh, I was reading your blog on your website about um, sort of your well various things are on there, but uh, you were saying with Fez, like you kind of used um, like VSTs, a lot of the native instruments things. Is that sort of how your setup and your process has remained, or is you got yeah. more hard? I don't have any hardware really. Um, I the large majority of what I do is just MIDI keyboard and laptop. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, you know, I have a piano and have some guitars and little sort of tchotchke instruments that I like to play now and then, but I don't really use them a whole lot for my actual work. Um, and that's sort of the, that's sort of the, that's sort of the style that I settled on basically. Um, after trying a lot of different things (laughs) and just ultimately feeling overwhelmed by, the amount of um, just having a bunch of gear around was not really. I didn't really think it suit. It doesn't really suit me personally. Yeah. I, I like the simplicity of like having a very simple setup. Like my 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 work room is like. I mean, I just moved into this place, but um, it's basically like, you know, I have like a sixty-one key keyboard and you know, it's, it, some tiny speakers and laptop. You know, I'm I'm good to go. So. Yeah. I mean, go back to the what you were saying when you described your solo stuff as you know ambient chip tune. It's that's kind of very minimal in terms of setup, and it kind of like, obviously the whole thing with chip sure. tune is it's very simple, simple sounds. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, obviously if you know as you said that's if that's you you know how you've worked out your process and stuff and sound, then it it makes no sense to to change and try and do something different when it's established. Is yeah. that? Yeah, but I but I have tried a lot of different things. I mean, I had a I had a full like separate studio, like building, yeah, <laughs> with like you know um, really kind of fancy setup for, you know, I mean it was still minimal, but you know I had I had like um, giant monitors and everything kind of 
acoustically like set up properly and i kind of just got used to doing things the wrong way um it's just comfortable for me i just throw my desk in a corner and put some put some like sound absorption around it and and then i just adapt to to the the what the room sounds like and it's fine yeah Um, i'm not you know i'm not a i'm not a mastering engineer you know it doesn't really matter that much (laughs) uh to me so you know it's yeah. just less overhead. I was just I was getting way too obsessive about um you know like oh the 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 angle of the monitors and you know sitting in the triangle and all that kind of stuff and now I'm just like I just kind of wing it. I was just like yeah this is generally it's good. I'll adapt to it. It'll be fine. Is that so, so I mean I for there there was like a time period where my I didn't even know but my laptop the audio like in in like um on a Mac, you know, you go into like the sound preferences and you can actually change the the stereo balance of the output. Yeah. There's like a slider and it was just off for like two <laughs> years. So everything I was doing was like off and I, I released like some of my, you know, some of my most like, some of my best stuff was released where the balance, you know, the balance knob was not in the center and everything I was doing was off. So, and it didn't even really matter. It was just, it was just the kind of thing where I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe, I can't believe I've been working that way." But you know, people don't notice these things, so. Right. So yeah, you say like obviously about like always like hyper worrying about the setup and things in the past, and I do I do find like I've I I did music technology at university for two years and find that you're taught these things and you're like, "Oh my god, these people are going to be able to hear that." The microphone wasn't the perfect distance from the guitar amp and things like that and it's like right like 99 percent of people aren't going to be able to tell the difference yeah so yeah and i think at some point i just got really i kind of i got kind of got really into that idea of just like not worrying about the the things that you know generally don't matter like yeah. really just focusing on the most kind of the most potent kind of things that you can do you know the most most essential kind of things and just try not to worry so much yeah so before um like working on games and and working in the game industry were you uh in inverted commas gamer before that (laughs) um i played video games if that that's what you mean i did yes yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I played a lot. I mean, I played a lot of video games um, and computer games, uh, you know, from the time I was pretty young. Um, maybe, I don't know, five, six, something like that is when I started getting into technology. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I definitely would say that, I, you know, I, I have a have a real strong fondness for games. I think as I've gotten older, it's shifted a little bit towards the development of games. Yeah. Like I, I really find making games interesting, even though it's also kind of a, a massive pain <laughs> or can be, especially you start to get, you start to drown in the complexity of your choices and it's really tricky. Um, yeah. And I don't play games as much as I used to. Um, and Sometimes I wish that I did, and other times I don't, and I'm glad. Um, I try to, I try to, you know, if I do play games these days, I try to make it a social affair. Um, you know, get together with some buds and catch up and play something dumb. Yeah. Um, 
we we were playing um this game where you go around with a power with like a like a pressure washer tools oh yeah is that like and just you, pressure washer simulator or something? Yeah, yeah exactly. everyone, everyone's been going on about that. And it's like, <laughs> you know, if someone had said to me like 20 years ago and, you know, first sort of thinking like, oh, games are art and what amazing stories and stuff. It's like, yeah, 2022, it's going to be like these beautiful, like emotionally gripping and things. <laughs> it's like, nah, some, you're just going to pressure wash stuff. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, it's a great it's like a chat room yeah. <laughs> you can just you know pressure wash stuff and just shoot the breeze so yeah that's... i mean i that's kind of the thing you want you want that sort of activity that's not too strenuous like, especially like i was trying to play like mario kart for an example you try and play that with friends and chat and you just end up hyper fixating on it it's like i can't use words because i'm concentrating that much yeah well it's funny because i am like that but my friends are not and they just talk <laughs> the whole time and i'm like i'm trying to concentrate on i'm tr- really trying to pressure wash this you know this uh the this miniature golf course and you're you're getting in the way yeah. with with your comments but so it's it's funny because yeah it would be nice to just kind of shut the brain off but i'm i'm very i'm very focused i'm a very focused i get very intense and focused on yeah. even the most mundane activity <laughs> sadly so with <laughs> like obviously with working on games do you do you have to play like the games you're working on to an extent to kind of get the feel and so i guess Definitely. it like you kind of come into the the product project project like sort of when there's mm. something tangible to kind of like you know a playable demo yeah. or at least some sort of video or something like that i i definitely feel like it helps yeah. um i mean for me what what helps me the most is to put stuff in the game and then get a reaction out of it like try something and put it in and see how it feels um i mean you can you know you can people have written music to screenshots i mean i did that to you know concept art or to to like video footage or you know all those things are totally viable but um there's nothing like you know actually playing the game and yeah seeing that stuff in in the the format that you're actually working in like how does this play it's like um you know writing music for a film or something it's one thing to like write score a scene but it, you're really not going to have the full picture until you watch the whole film and hear everything in context um so it's it's kind of similar so i mean you mentioned like obviously about uh working on films and stuff uh doing soundtracks and that is that something you're looking at doing more of in the future or is it just sort of what opportunities present themselves yeah i mean um i think the opportunity there have been more opportunities to do that um I think, <laughs> I feel like, uh, I mean, outwardly, I've kind of projected the notion that I'm busy and that I don't really have a lot of availability to work on projects. Um, and I think people in games are often, have, I don't know, I, I, I haven't been getting that many opp- you know offers to work on games. Um, maybe they're just polite. Uh, <laughs> but uh, people, in the, people in the film business don't really seem to pay attention to that stuff. They just, they just ask. So... Um, I've been definitely getting more opportunities to work on those sorts of things. Um, I, you know, uh, games are my preference. I, I like working on games um, for a lot of reasons. Um, 
they do drag on, um, which is one of the the con, one of the downsides of games sometimes. Yeah. But um, you know, it's a nice schedule. Um, usually, it's more laid back. The relationships are less, in my experience, they're they're not as you know. There's, I just feel less stress working on those kind of projects. Um, movies are very like. Um, you know, pressure cooker, like do everything in a short period of time. And um, it's not as personal because there's usually a lot of people involved and, you know, people, producers that you'd never get to meet, make, sometimes they're making decisions about, you know, your music. And I don't know, it's just, uh, yeah, I like, I like games a little bit, <laughs> a little bit better. <laughs> But I'm open. I mean, you know, I, I still, I still have been, I've been working on movies lately. Um, um, and you know, it's just if the right project comes along, I definitely, you know, would, would do it. Yeah. So with your, with yourself, um, what sort of like musical influences did you have growing up, or still have now? Like any sort of bands or other composers that you kind mm. of attribute your not necessarily career but sort of like um the sound to or any sort of ones that you're like oh that's who i want to be like kind of thing yeah i think um you know it started with guitar well i mean it started even before that with the music of my childhood and what was you know what what i was exposed to um it was a lot of beatles and um you know around christmas time it was vince Guaraldi, like the peanuts music um and video games um, I guess, uh, and you know when, when I when I got a guitar and I was in high school, I got really into new metal and you know um, heavy metal and you know stuff like that and classic rock um, and so like you know bands like Tool and Let uh, and Rage Against the Machine and you know th- those are kind of two of the bands first bands that I got really into um, and then you know shortly after that I got I got into like you know prog rock I got into King Crimson and um, you know Led Zeppelin um, uh, which is not really prog rock but um, and then you know just from there it just kind of like kind of you know it kind of blossomed I just it kind of bloomed out to just looking for other things that were interesting yeah um, and, you know I kind of you know, I, I got really into like impressionism, and um, you know, I, I kind of re, I kind of reconnected with jazz. You know, kind of, you know, I had you know Vince Crawley stuff growing up, but later on, you know, I got more into like Miles Davis, and um, um, you know, got into like bossa nova, like uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, um, minimalism, Steve Reich. Uh, you know and like going back to like some folk stuff and stuff my mom listened to like Joni Mitchell and um and getting into like metal and you know Mastodon um you know post-rock like Tortoise um it's kind of like I don't know and video of course and video game scores I mean that was a huge one I can't believe I glossed (laughs) over that um you know especially Yasunori Mitsuda um, of Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger, Fame, um, Coach Cody Kondo, obviously. Um, so yeah, quite quite a few um, quite a few influences along the way, and and pick up new ones all the time. Um, especially 
on, on particular projects where, you know, the influence is already there. Um, like uh, this film Under the Silver Lake that I worked on, um, a lot of the temp score was Bernard Herrmann. And uh, I didn't have any, I didn't really have any familiarity with, with his work. Um, but, but uh, man, I just, uh, his work is amazing. I love his work. And, and that was like really cool to kind of um, be exposed to that and kind of let that inspire, inspire me too. So fairly fairly mixed bag then over the <laughs> over your time growing <laughs> up. Like yeah. you don't get any of the new metal influences in the in the soundtracks though, but <laughs> Well you should listen you should listen to my old stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of it. <laughs> um actually when I was doing Fez I was also working on this game Shoot Many Robots, yeah. which has like a very kind of drop D, like grungy sort of southerny like metal kind of vibe um lots of nice chugga chugga kind of riffs and stuff <laughs> lots of chugga chugga kind of chugga chugga yeah. you got it uh so I, I was talking to someone the other day about like the sort of yeah you kind of get like the cycles of musical like just trends in general it's like so when's new metal gonna be when's that gonna be having its comeback like are we all gonna <laughs> have to buy really baggy jeans and <laughs> Live that it'll life come. again. It'll, it'll come. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll be one of those where it'll be, you know, people's kids are wearing it. It's like, oh, you don't understand its fashion. It's like, you know, we understand. We we were there. We were there when it happened originally. <laughs> <laughs> so, if your um, like your moniker, like disaster piece, what's kind of is there like a story behind that, or is it just something you like the sound of? Yeah, no, there's a story. Um, I had just started writing music, basically, and um, I got really excited about the idea of being in a band. And I, but for me, um, ever since I was small, I loved to make logos and like fake, fictitious companies, you know, so I could draw or you know just to have some sort of like backstory. Yeah. Um, and so it was just one of the names I came up with for a potential band, uh, which the band never, you know, never came to fruition. I just was me. I ended up just being me. Um, but uh, it was an excuse to make logos, basically. And um, it was initially it was Disaster Peace, P-I-E-C-E. Um, and uh, shortly after that, I think I discovered that there was a there was a Slipknot song with that name. And so kind of I pseudo went back to the drawing board and changed it to P-E-A-C-E and ended up liking that better anyway because it was kind of worked on multiple levels yeah um, being sort of like these two disparate concepts disaster and peace and being a planned masterpiece I don't know I uh, um, yeah still still <laughs> like happy to use that which yeah. is good most of the most of the choices people make when they're teenagers don't necessarily <laughs> things they want to you know live with forever but yeah um hey that's kind of it's good that it's you're you're in like I, I mean i don't know when you made it what sort of level of professional it was at but now like you're still using it you know however many years down the line in a professional context it's obviously obviously works really well for that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So if um, going down the annoying hypothetical question route now, 
So if if you were to be like a, a fly on the wall of watching someone there make a soundtrack or like being in the process of soundtrack like film or game or anything is there anyone in particular you'd like to have seen how it was made so to speak um uh, to be honest i i find it i find like interesting seeing all different kinds of composers process and what they do because everything everyone does things differently and you know the way someone works might resonate with you even if their music doesn't which is funny or vice versa like someone might the way that they do things might be crazy to you or you might think like well i could never work that way but you love their love the output um so it's always really interesting to list to hear about how other people work and and how they approach things and for me you know i i kind of have gotten very comfortable with kind of taking on the role of the ensemble myself just on my computer and experimenting on my computer with technology and thinking about things and in, in like kind of like 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 these are instruments like they're real instruments that I'm playing with even though they're you know in a in a box yeah um, and so it's fun to hear about people who, who actually work with you know human beings <laughs> <laughs> and what that's like and you know um, experimenting in real time and um, there was a piece in the New Yorker about Johnny Greenwood I think it was maybe last year or something that was really it was a really nice piece and it was really interesting to hear you know about his process and how he kind of um you know spend even though he has a very um he's very tech savvy um well, uh that he you know he spends a lot of time just kind of recording stuff and just experimenting with with um with other musicians so yeah <laughs> the next section is uh it's section i've dubbed quick fire questions so just sort of the first sort of thing that comes to mind when you hear it and i know this i, I always say it's quick fire questions and this bit never ends up being so don't worry too much about it i think it's one of those situations you say that and you ask the question it's like oh there's so much pressure i'll do my best <laughs> so so in terms of your um your most favorite game you've ever ever played Oh my god! Um, NHL '94. Fair enough. I mean, I think I had that back on the PC, and I didn't even really know what. I didn't even really look. I think I was probably six at the time. Didn't even know ice hockey was a, a thing or a sport. So <laughs> it's like, what's that? It's like, obviously, we we have like the kind of more relevance here is like we have field hockey and it's like it's that on ice and they fight it's like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> exactly yeah that one stood that one uh, stood the test of time for sure yeah really good game i mean i do i do quite like the simplicity of older sports games like i quite like playing the older older fifa games and things just because they're fun yeah it's just, the, it, you, just know, you never know what you're gonna get when you kick the ball in those old fifa games yeah. it's like am i in the right angle like <laughs> it's the right angle and oh that felt amazing when i scored but i have no idea how i did it <laughs> it's sort of i can just remember they had like some of them had that weird isometric view and it's like this just doesn't work <laughs> for like sports yeah, but i like those games those, yeah. those oh, they're good fun. soccer games yeah um so in terms of your favorite um musical artist Oh my god. 
don't think I can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, saying NHL '94 was a stretch because I, I don't think I have a favorite game. It just happens to be one of my favorite games. <laughs> um, but picking an art, a musical artist, is even harder. Maybe, maybe Ravel. Okay, cool. I don't know. <laughs> just his, his style is pretty pretty amazing. Um, Your uh, favorite game soundtrack of all time. Ooh, um, it's funny because I keep thinking about Jet Set Radio Future. Like I was <laughs> going to say that for game too. Yeah, and it could be soundtrack too. Um, but I think um, maybe Machinarium. Okay, cool. That's um, played that last last year, the year before. It's just so. I mean, Thomas. Thomas. I don't know how you pronounce Dvor- his name. Dvorak. Dvorak or yeah. Dvorak. His his music is really really great yeah it was kind of i didn't really know what to expect when i played it because it was on the premise it looks fairly fairly simple like sort of yeah. point and click thing and it's just like oh this is it's just the whole sort of way the music with the the game like the gameplay and the characters and the way it kind of tells yeah. a story but without having to use any any voices or written words and yeah it just and the stuff they did in Samaros 3 is is in some ways it's I mean it's even more um great (laughs) (laughs) just the way that they use music in that game is is really cool yeah Um, yeah so staying on a soundtrack theme your favorite film or TV soundtrack um I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. I'm not much of a film buff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I thought about a few things. I thought about. I thought about like the, the, uh, you know, the Man with No Name trilogy, like the old Ennio Marconi stuff, or. Um, uh, Matrix has a pretty great soundtrack. Yeah. Maybe the Matrix. <clears throat> I did. I did. Um, I did it. Oh. I don't know if I necessarily want to say this because it could potentially be a spoiler for the the new Matrix film, but the 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 ending of the new Matrix film kind of in the way they kind of looped love, back with the soundtrack. Just I love that they made that choice. Yeah, I those, just those, without without trying to be spoil like spoilers. Um, that group, uh, yeah, they they've done some really cool. Yeah. Piece. <laughs> that's so that's so lovely and vague i love it <laughs> spoiler free commentary <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always find it difficult it's like oh it's like at what point do you is something been out long enough that you can kind of talk about it and i know you're not going to ruin the ending of the film but i mean if you read what most people say on the internet about the new matrix film <laughs> There is pretty much ruined anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> true. People were not kind about it. <laughs> mm. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, the amount of films I've I've watched the last few years, and just you look at the reviews, and it's like, oh, this is the worst film I've ever watched. It's like, uh you said that about the last one. Like, are you just <laughs> are you just going to watch terrible films? And is that I, I love I love looking. I love the dichotomy of um, like critic reviews and fan reviews of movies. Like, there's something magical in those numbers, and like how 
disparate they are like the more disparate they are the more interested i usually am I'm like oh this is interesting yeah it's like is, <laughs> is there something that critics are seeing that people normal people don't or is it just sort of or the other way around is it's like are the critics wrong should we get rid of critics <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i for one i really liked the new matrix movie i thought it was really cool yeah i mean it was i think it was just sort of in, in my head it was always like it's came too long after but then also it's kind of the point but yeah it's yeah, yeah it's it's an odd one i mean i think I, I can just remember at times watching it just kind of having that sort of very confused what the hell is going on face <laughs> <laughs> like but yeah we'll leave it at that before i i do end up spoiling it for people that <laughs> haven't watched it but want to watch it um so just just the last one of the quick fire questions uh getting back on track it's your your favorite individual song or piece from a, a game soundtrack um there's a sequence in uh in limbo that's really really cool um where there's this like you're you're like hiding behind these like uh pieces of architecture and you're kind of out in this big open space and there's some sort of pulsing like almost like a like a sonic pulse or like yeah. a explosion um that's a really cool kind of musical moment that comes to mind yeah um, i'm sure there's other great ones that i'm forgetting but <laughs> i mean limbo kind of the the way the game plays of the soundtrack it all it's obviously not one continuous piece but like the way it blends together it's you know it's hard to kind of define where stuff starts and ends it's done so yeah. well ah, i want to play that again now thanks for reminding me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so i mean finally we've talked about the the past and the present so the the last thing to kind of say is like is there anything you're working on at the minute um i know there's the i don't know if it's a sequel to hyperlight drifter are you doing anything on that at all or Oh yeah, no, I'm not working on that. <clears throat> but uh, I, I, yeah, I did. I did work on Solar Ash a bit. Oh yeah, that's, that came out last quite a while. <laughs> that came out last year, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm working on a game right now called Paradise Marsh, um, and I have been for, um, gosh, maybe nine, ten months. Um, yeah. It's a, it's sort of like a first-person exploration game kind of in a procedurally generated marsh environment um it's very um kind of pleasant and fun <laughs> you go around <laughs> kind of collect uh you collect bugs and creatures and um you kind of interact with the, with the stars and um it was just kind of a it's been it's been a really fun sort of sandbox kind of game to work on to explore like different ideas for music and for how to do environmental audio and stuff like that so i've been enjoying that quite a lot and um that's pretty close to being done um so is there a release date scheduled for it or is it just kind of when it is done <laughs> um there is but i don't think it's i don't know if it's public yet so okay probably, won't, get probably you, not. won't get you in trouble by asking it <laughs> <get> in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else that you're working on at all or not really. Um, I do have quite a lot of music to put out. Um, that's going to be a priority for me once Paradise Marsh is done. Um, you know, sometimes, especially working on 
especially working on soundtracks and stuff, you know, um, sometimes there's, there's a lot of just ideas that come out and during that process that I don't end up using. And so I like to, you know, give those a home, um, if possible. So I should have some more, some more goodies coming out soon. <laughs> Maybe on, um, Bandcamp and Spotify and the, the usual sort of places when they're absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. And the best place to kind of keep up with yourself and your work is that just via your website. Yeah, my website, um, my mailing list. Um, I have been very bad about uh, keeping up with that stuff lately, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna do my best. Uh, yeah, I, I went from like maintaining a mailing list and a bunch of social media to having no social media and forgetting to to, to maintain my mailing list. So. <laughs> Been a little bit of radio silence lately but yeah i mean i do find like social media can end up being like a full-time well not necessarily full-time but like be more time consuming than the actual thing you're doing it's a major time suck yeah i mean at least i'm releasing music so that that's the most important thing yeah that's it's what your well in inverted commas what your your job is so you know you kind of want to focus on that bit the most yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I mean that's um, I mean it's kind of came to the end of the questions I had for you, for you Rich. I don't know if there's anything you want to add or anything you want to say at all. No, just uh, thanks for thanks for having me, and it was nice chatting. Yeah, but it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure, and yeah, I appreciate you taking the time out to chat to myself. And yeah, best of luck for yourself and the future. Absolutely, you too. I'd once again like to thank Rich for taking the time out of his schedule to chat to myself and I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. Thank you very much and I hope you have a lovely day.